Welcome to the Adlai Access Podcast. My name is Alex Schneider, and today I'm going to be talking about the legal impacts of CCPA and CPRA. So CCPA is the California Consumer Privacy Act. It became effective on January 1st, 2020, and enforcement began July 1st, 2020. CCPA had a number of important impacts. Uh, first, it, it adds new consumer rights to access and delete personal information. Second, it adds new consumer notices about the collection of data and sharing of data. Third, it also gives consumers the ability to control when consumer information is shared uh, with third parties. We'll talk about that in a moment. Now, CCPA doesn't apply to all businesses. There are some thresholds in the law, and those are important to be aware of when thinking about whether the law applies. Uh, the thresholds include the $25 million annual gross revenue threshold, uh, the 50,000 consumer handling of 50,000 consumers uh, threshold, and there's another one for uh, companies that would share or sell personal information. So those, those thresholds are important to be aware of when thinking about whether CCPA applies. CCPA also applies very broadly to, to personal information and defines uh, it as information that identifies, relates to, describes, is reasonably capable of being associated with, or could reasonably be linked directly or indirectly with a particular consumer or household. And when the question is whether information is covered by that really broad definition, generally the answer is yes. It includes name, email address, contact information, IP address, device identifiers, persistent identifiers, financial information, and also inferences about a consumer based on those, those different types of information. That makes CCPA very different from existing sector-specific laws like HIPAA or COPPA or data breach notification laws that really only apply to a subset of specific types of personal information. Now, there are exceptions to the definition of personal information, uh, information that is de-identified, so it no longer identifies an individual consumer. Maybe it's been redacted. Uh, information that is aggregated with other personal information uh, so that it no longer identifies a consumer. Information that's from publicly available sources, like government sources. Uh, information that's regulated by HIPAA or GLBA. Uh, so already regulated. Now, a major change with CCPA is how it regulates data flows. And, and, and this is really important to understanding uh, CCPA to understanding some of the contractual requirements that stem from CCPA and to, to really understanding this concept of the right to opt out. I, I really focus on three different types of data flows. The first one is when a business that's covered by CCPA sends personal information to a service provider to provide services to that business. In that instance, CCPA says that consumers aren't required to take any action and the business can send that information to a service provider without any obligations, except that the service provider must have a contract that requires the service provider to limit how it will use personal information for business purposes to provide services back to that business. So that's the first data flow. And, and, and the way that CCPA regulates that data flow is through that contract. The second data flow is when a business sends information to really anybody else we, CCPA defines that as a third party. And when the business sends information to that third party, uh, it might be in a sale context, it might be in some other context, the consumer has the right to opt out of that sale. Uh, 
um, and, and CCPA defines that, that transfer of information as a sale. And, and when the consumer opts out, that's how CCPA regulates that data flow. So the business can no longer send data to that third party. However, if the consumer doesn't opt out, the third party can use the data in any way that they want. Now, the third type of data flow is uh, where a uh, consumer has an inter intentional interaction and intentional, intentionally shows the business that they want to disclose information to a third party. It might be a business partner, uh, maybe in a co-marketing type arrangement. And in that instance, the only way that the data is regulated is through that consumer's intentional uh, action. Uh, otherwise, there's no contract required by CCPA and there's also no opt-out available to the consumer. So those are the three uh, data flows, and that's really uh, the major uh, uh, regulatory uh, uh, change from CCPA. And we'll talk about some of those impacts uh, later on. Now, recently uh, in 2020, uh, Californians uh, ex uh, passed the CPRA ballot initiative, which amends CCPA, adding some new uh, uh, rights and new obligations. And that new law becomes effective on January 1st, 2023. Uh, so we have about a year now uh, to prepare for CPRA. CPRA expands the right to opt out, adding the uh, right to opt out of the sale or sharing of personal information uh, and a new right to opt out of the use or disclosure of sensitive personal information. CPRA also adds significant new obligations on service providers, uh, limiting uh, business purposes in some cases that are available for service providers to use personal information. CPRA also adds a new agency in California, the California Privacy Protection Agency. Um, another uh, aspect that, that's important to know about CPRA, uh, particularly for companies that are, are, are looking to comply, is that CPRA will now apply to HR type data, employee data, and business contact data. And unless we see some, uh, some uh, efforts by the legislature to make changes there, uh, that's going to uh, impact the types of data that companies are required to incorporate into their privacy programs starting in 2023. Now CPRA also um, makes some specific changes that uh, have a, a significant impact in the area of ad tech. Um, for companies that uh, use uh, ad tech, that uh, use targeted advertising, um, that add cookies or, or pixels to their site that uh, enable targeted advertising, they're gonna to need to be aware of uh, some of these changes. Um, and and I, I group them into three categories. First, there's the uh, an, a new opt-out of sharing of personal information for purposes of cross-context behavioral advertising, which is essentially targeting consumers based on their personal information across the internet. Second change is uh, moving uh, uh, from the definition of business purposes, uh, the ability to engage in cross-context behavioral advertising, and that impacts um, the service provider relationship and whether service providers can provide uh, ad tech type services. And the third is around transparency uh, and uh, automated decision-making and profiling. Um, and, and, and those topics will be addressed um, you know, uh, by, uh, by a rulemaking process that we'll talk about in a moment. So kind of the takeaway from this is that companies that uh, have uh, you know, targeted advertising on their websites or engage in targeted advertising uh, in, in the, that ecosystem are going to need to think about 
how to provide consumers with the ability to opt out as required by CPRA. Now, the next topic I wanted to talk about here is enforcement. Uh, CCPA and CPRA have different approaches to enforcement. CCPA was enforced or is currently enforced by the Attorney General uh, of California. Uh, that's currently uh, Attorney General Bonta. It was previously Attorney General Becerra. Um, CCPA provides a 30-day right to cure period. So if the AG identifies uh, some sort of violation of CCPA, the AG sends a letter to a company and notifies them of, of, the, uh, of the deficiency. And then the company has 30 days to cure that violation. CPRA gets rid of that right to cure and adds an entire new agency, the California Privacy Protection Agency, uh, to be able to enforce CPRA. In addition, uh, the Attorney General can also enforce CPRA. Um, the California Privacy Protection Agency uh, has gotten off the ground. Uh, uh, so far, there are now five board members, Jennifer Urban, John Thompson, Angela Sierra, Lita Della Torre, and Vincent Lee. And, and now they've also hired a, a director, Ashkan Sultani, uh, to lead the, the agency, and, and he's formerly with the FTC. And part of the, uh, the kind of the interesting thing that we're going to be seeing uh, going forward is has to do with rulemaking. The AG, um, as the primary enforcer uh, and uh, CCPA, also had the authority to write rules uh, about how uh, CCPA is implemented. And that rulemaking process took about 20 months. Now the Privacy Protection Agency uh, has the ability to write rules for CPRA, uh, but they're also going to have to reconcile the new rules with the rules that the AG implemented for CCPA. And so um, you know, recently they've talked about having uh, various subcommittees, one for uh, writing new rules that are specific to CPRA, and another subcommittee that will look at uh, updating the CCPA rules. Um, and that's going to be interesting to see how the Privacy Protection Agency uh, addresses certain topics that were uh, uh, addressed differently in CCPA and CPRA, or, or even maybe taking a different approach uh, from CCPA to CPRA. The statutory deadline for rulemaking is July 1st, 2022. Um, that's coming right up. And, and I think the agency knows that that's uh, going to be an ambitious timeline and it's considering different ways to address rules, uh, potentially on an emergency rulemaking basis. Now, in terms of enforcement, uh, the AG has put out information about the types of enforcement that it's pursued. And again, we haven't seen any fines. Generally, companies that have received a uh, notice of a violation have cured that violation um, you know, within uh, the, the period required by the AG. But some of the topics that are of maybe of interest, um, first, in terms of the uh, right to opt out of the sale of personal information, the um, AG has, has uh, brought up violations that involve failure to disclose if the business sells personal information or do not sell my personal information links that don't work or, or don't enable a consumer to opt out. The AG is also focused on a notice of financial incentives, which was a requirement in the CCPA rules uh, that requires companies to uh, put out a notice if they accept personal information in exchange for some type of financial incentive. Um, and, and the AG talked about how it, they went 
to a grocery store chain that did not have a financial incentive notice for a loyalty program and required that company uh, to put in place uh, a notice. Uh, other topics, uh, you know, in terms of the classification of entities, whether that's a service provider, or a business, or a third party, the AG has investigated companies for failing to, to correctly classify the entity, for not entering into appropriate contracts with service providers. Um, and and we've, we've seen that the AG uh, may be actually reviewing certain contracts or requesting certain contracts to confirm that they have the appropriate language. We're also seeing that the AG uh, looks at privacy notices uh, to, to uh, either to decide that you know, CCPA notices are not being provided, that they might be vague or hard to understand. Um, they've also really focused on the difference between a privacy policy on the one hand and providing a notice at collection, which is when a company first collects information, ensuring that there's a notice about the privacy practices. And so the AG is focused on that difference in making sure that companies have both. The AG also has looked at consumer rights requests, uh, including um, going after companies that haven't applied in a timely manner uh, to rights requests or haven't provided a, a mechanism to submit requests, um, or, or even haven't allowed a third-party authorized agents to submit a request on behalf of a consumer. Now, the next topic I wanted to talk about is contracts and uh, what CCPA and CPRA um, require in, in contractual relationships. Uh, as I kind of uh, talked about earlier, there are three different types of data flows. The first one is the business to a service provider, and that service provider uh, has to agree to certain terms in a service provider contract. So that's kind of the, uh, the, the main uh, contractual relationship that requires terms uh, under CCPA and CPRA. There's also a potential for a data sale or data license agreement, or maybe a co-marketing agreement, or other types of contracts and, and, and relationships in which there's a data flow. And, and some of those contracts are going to now need to have CPRA type terms. And we'll talk about what those terms look like. But I think in terms of thinking about what the kind of contract needs to be, it's very important to identify what the specific data flow looks like, um, who's the business, who is the recipient, and what the recipient is, uh, how, how the recipients are going to be classified, whether that's as a service provider or a third party. So in terms of service provider contract terms, you know, kind of the overall uh, theme here is that service providers are highly restricted in how they can use personal information. They can't sell or share personal information. They can't retain, use, or disclose personal information except for business purposes specified in a contract. And they can't retain, use, or disclose personal information outside the direct business relationship with the service provider. CPRA also addresses the combination of personal information. If a service provider receives personal information from two customers, it can't, uh, under CPRA, combine that personal information in order to provide services to both of them. Now that's a concern, particularly in the machine learning or uh, artificial intelligence type areas. And so um, we expect that that's gonna be a focus of the rulemaking process that the uh, California Privacy Protection Agency looks at 
um, it was also the focus during the CCPA process. And um, the, uh, the Privacy Protection Agency will have discretion to uh, better define what that restriction on combination of personal information looks like. CPRA also requires that subcontractors that uh, help a service provider uh, handle personal information are also required to follow many of these same requirements. It also provides a business the ability to audit the service provider's compliance through ongoing manual reviews, automated scans, regular assessments, audits, or technical or operational testing. Now for all contracts, not just service provider contracts, CPRA uh, has uh, added five new terms. Um, and I expect that these terms are going to start to become uh, very familiar in pretty much all contracts because they apply not only for information that's being sent to service providers, but also to third parties. Um, and, and the five terms uh, listed are first, the limited and specified purposes. Uh, personal, the, the contract needs to specify that personal information is sold or disclosed by the business only for limited and specified purposes, which is a pretty straightforward requirement. Compliance with CPRA, it obligates the recipient of the data to comply with applicable obligations under CPRA and obligate person, those recipients to provide the same level of privacy protection as is required under CPRA. And then there's an oversight mechanism. It grants the business that sends personal information uh, to take reasonable and appropriate steps to ensure that the recipient uses the personal information in a manner that's consistent with that business's obligations under CPRA. If the recipient does not comply, um, it's required to notify the, the, the business and the business might even terminate the agreement. So like I said, those are going to be mandatory terms in all types of contracts. Uh, and we're gonna be seeing those, uh, those terms with more frequency uh, now that they're gonna be required under CPRA. Now CCPA and CPRA um, involve uh, handle uh, requirements uh, for, around consumer requests. Uh, consumers can submit requests to access their personal information, delete their personal information, or correct their personal information, which is a new right under CPRA. Those seem like simple requ uh, requirements. Uh, they, they can be a little bit more involved and, and, and it depends on how the, the business uh, you know, stores personal information. Um, and the, uh, if the information is mapped. So for example, if a business receives an access request uh, to receive the, to provide the consumer with specific uh, personal information that the business holds about that consumer, the business needs to be able to identify that information um, and then uh, have a process to provide it to the consumer. In terms of deletion, um, that can be a little bit more complicated because there are various exceptions in these laws that allow companies to retain personal information for certain purposes. And so companies need to be thinking about whether those exceptions apply. Uh, a, a good example is if a person um, you know, buys something from a business, um, that business has the right to continue to retain information about that person's mailing address or their credit card number in order to fulfill that, uh, that purchase order. Um, and, that, and that's the same for any kind of um, you know, uh, services that the company is providing. Uh, the company can retain information to continue to provide those services. 
In terms of the right to correct, uh, this is going to be interesting to see how the new agency handles this right, uh, particularly in the area of verification. If a consumer says you have the wrong information, what kinds of information is the consumer going to need to provide to the business to prove that the information needs to be corrected? So we expect that that will be uh, a topic of, of the rulemaking for CPRA. CCPA already uh, in the rulemaking addresses uh, very granularly uh, issues like how to uh, accept uh, requests, how to verify that the consumer is the consumer uh, requesting the information and record keeping obligations. In terms of uh, consumer requests, another, uh, another piece to be thinking about is that there's a time frame in these laws, about 45 days, and it can be extended uh, once uh, to respond to requests. And so companies need to have a process in place to uh, you know, quickly uh, review their files and respond. Um, some companies will uh, use an automated process um, you know, from a technology vendor that enables that company to uh, easily respond to these requests. Um, and easily uh, map the, to the information in their records. Uh, other companies, maybe uh, some companies that only have uh, a few requests a year will use a manual process. And uh, sometimes that might take more than 45 days. Uh, so it's important to understand how long that process will take and, and to run some tests to uh, pressure test the, the process. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the AdLaw Access Podcast. Uh, I'm Alex Schneider. If you'd like to reach me, uh, my contact information will be in the show notes. Um, and uh, please check out the AdLaw Access blog for more information about uh, compliance with CCPA and CPRA on an ongoing basis. All right. Thanks very much.